Becco makes award-winning ergonomic baby carriers that are simple, functional, and stylish for the modern parent. From infants to toddlers, we've got you covered. Becco carriers are designed for your busy lifestyle without any of the distractions. Shop now at BeccoBaby.com. to have Karen Jeffries of Hilariously Infertile with us today. Welcome so much to Pushing It. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. (laughs) Wow. Hilariously Infertile. I just love that. Um, How about you give us some background on that there, Elise? Hilariously Infertile. Actually, I would love Karen to give us a little background on that because I have to be honest, when we first came across all the awesome things that you do, we were like, oh, it's cool when you say it, but can we get away with saying hilariously infertile? Are people going to be okay with us saying this? Like, how does this go down? Um, and so tell us, like, how did you come up with this name? How do you find the humor in all of this? Tell, tell us all about yourself. Tell us all the good stuff. Okay. Wow. <laughs> how much time do we have? No. Um, <laughs> so, so the name specifically, um, originally the name of my, my book was Let's Talk About Fertility. And I think we can all agree that it's like pretty lame. Um, yeah. So one night at I don't know if like if you guys were watching the Today Show when this happened, but like a, like I think it was probably like three or four years ago, Matt Lauer on the Today Show when he was still on it by accident said Savannah Guthrie's email, like her like private work email on air. And I happened to be watching that morning and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to email her my manuscript. This is still when I thought that like maybe I would get published, even though I was like nobody. I mean, still am. Like I'm not getting picked up by a publishing house, you know? So, um, right. And so I like started emailing her and then that night after like a couple glasses of wine sitting on the couch with my husband, I was like, do you want to hear how crazy I am? And he was like, what did you do? And, (laughs) and I told him and he was like, no, like you're seriously, like you're so crazy. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'm hilarious. And I was like, I'm hilarious and I'm infertile. And then I was like, oh, I love it. And like, that's honestly how, how it came. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, hilariously infertile. Like that's it. And like, once I got that, I was like, that's going to be the website. That's going to be the book. That's going to be like the social media. Like I was, it just like. It made so much sense to me. I love the oxymoron of it. I also love because um, people often tell me that like I'm a, I look like a walking oxymoron. Like I apparently I look. Sorry, that's my dog Brady. Apparently, do you look infertile? What What does that oh, mean? No, no, I look like I look like I'm gonna like be appropriate and like say the oh, I see. things, and then I open my mouth and it's like the complete opposite. So I people are taken aback by that. So yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's awesome. great. And that story, I'm sure the listeners will totally agree. It just gave me goosebumps. Like, not yeah. just on my arms, but I just felt those goosebumps all over my body. Like, that's such an aha moment of discovering what's going to work for you. And that's that's great. Yeah. So I was reading a little of your background, and it seems that you are a teacher, and you keep um, your identity secret. Like, yes. you're not telling people... Um, pupils in your class and at parent teacher night, you're not like, Hey, and by the way, I wrote this book called it's on your son's desk. So how do you keep from, (laughs) how do you keep from talking about that and keeping, I don't know, 
she's quieter yeah. than we are. I Apparently. Know, it's kind of weird. Like, someone recently was like, you need to get, like, a legal alias. And I was like, I, I don't even know what that means. Um, but I know. But um, I just, my students are old enough to Google me, and they have. Like, they've come into class and been like, um, we Googled you last night. And in my head, I'm like, oh, oh my God, wow. please don't say jokes about my vagina. Please don't say jokes about my vagina. And they're like, yeah, like, oh, wow. your wedding website from, like, nine years ago. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, so, so when I first started the social media and the, and the website and everything, I didn't put my face on it at all. Like not my face, not my name, not anything. And then I mm-hmm. had these videos of me doing what turned out now to be like my stand up comedy, but it was just a, a speech I was giving to NYU. And I was like, this is funny. I want to add, I want to put this on my media and on my website, but I'm not really sure. And so I contacted the president of my teacher's union and I asked him to look at it and he was very 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 supportive he said you know oh wow yeah he was like he's like you know yes this is not geared towards children however mm-hmm. like you're doing a service like we will defend you blah, blah, blah. and he put it in writing which then made me feel a lot better but I still didn't want my my real last name on there when I went sure. forward with um with publishing the book I was like what name am I going to use? Like, I can't use my maiden name. Like, that's too close. I don't really want to use my mom's sure. maiden name. Like, and then my mother-in-law was like, how about you use Jeffrey's? Because my husband's first name is Jeff. And uh, uh, yeah, and I just, I loved it. I thought that it was so great. I thought that it was like such a great way to incorporate him into this whole thing, which is, which he's a major part of and he's super supportive of. And I just, I wanted to kind of pay homage to him and that and it was just I just thought it was great so um so yeah I mean like my principal knows and like some people that I work with like the staff knows but like none of the parents know none of the students know and it's kind of just something that like I keep I keep separate like when I'm at work I'm doing my work and when I'm and when I'm anytime else I'm doing this um there are some times that it's really funny like I'll on my lunch break, I'll like run out to my car and do like an interview on the radio and then come back. <laughs> and I'll be like, sorry guys, I'm just rushing in because I was on the radio in Chicago. And they're like, no, you weren't. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I say it like jokingly, but because I joke around as oh, met, sure. like, so much with them on um, like regularly, like then I'm like, yeah. they're like, no, you weren't. I'm like, yeah, I was. I totally was. And they're like, no, you weren't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that is like, awesome. So, so, um, is so yeah, great. I like, don't believe it. It's really funny. Yeah. So I've got kids in elementary school, and since doing this podcast, some of the parents at the school have heard some of the episodes, and one of the moms about this time last year came up and was like, oh, I've been listening to your show, so interesting, and it made, like, she referred to a previous week that I was certain I had talked about my stitches or lack of after having a baby, and I was like, oh my goodness, we just talked about my vagina, <laughs> and now the you know this PTA mom knows all about my vagina. This is this is fantastic. I'm the brand new parent at the school, tiny school, and uh, I imagine that you're probably thinking about at some point that might <laughs> happen to you. Um, yeah. Have you thought of how you might respond to that or any clever yeah. comments to that? <laughs> you know what's so funny is that um, when my daughter, my older daughter, was in kindergarten, and it was a, again very, very small school, very, very, very small kindergarten, like one class, like less than ten kids in that class, um, and we went for the parent-teacher conference, and everything was totally fine, totally normal, and then like a probably like two months later, I I took a day off of work to go into the city for like a blog 
like blog her actually like a blogger conference and my daughter wrote in her writing journal my mommy is in the city today helping mommies make babies oh and, wow which i thought was so sweet but like totally wrong also and i was like yeah like, your teachers like and the teacher knew that i'm a school teacher and i was like your teacher's gonna think that i'm like moonlighting as like as like a doula right. or something you know yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so like i wrote her a little email and i was like just so you know if you want if you want to know what that's about like i can tell you but like if you don't want to know it's really fine and she wrote back and she was like don't worry like i like she had known oh yeah in september because like someone else had mentioned it to her so i was like Oh, oh wow. and like I'm I'm totally fine with people knowing about it, but like I kind of like to know that they know. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm like yeah. thinking back and like, wait, so we went through that entire parents conference and like you've read everything about my vagina. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I always really love it when I can ask somebody, how will you respond when your vagina becomes famous too? <laughs> exactly. You know? And, and so it's just kind of like I like to just know if people know, but I don't like I, I mean, I'm fine with it because, like, that's kind of the point. Like, the whole point of the platform and the point of Hilariously Infertile is just to get yeah. people talking. So, like, that part yeah. I'm totally fine with and I don't yeah. feel embarrassed about. I just – I like knowing if they know, like, when I'm having a conversation with them. So, I'm not, like, you know, being so serious and talking about their <laughs> levels. And this woman's probably, like, I know everything about everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Very fair. So, yeah. have you had much pushback from people who are, you know – how dare you see infertility as hilarious and I don't know, that sort of point of view. Have you encountered much of that? You know what? I haven't encountered that. I, um, most people are thankful and appreciative that, that I'm, that I'm putting out this content and showing mm -hmm. infertility in a different light. Um, right. I have had people be like, you know, it's really not funny. And I'm like, I'm, I know that infertility is not funny. Like I'm, I'm right. the one who's like, this is all funny all the time. Like it's not, the whole point of hilariously infertile is that to get people talking about it and to, um, and to, you know, get people to laugh in between the crying because there's so sure. much, there's so much yeah. sadness that like, if I can make someone laugh, like when they're having a bad day, that's all I'm trying to do. You know, yeah. the one thing I have gotten pushback on is like some of my, like early on, like some of my memes were like, not, not off color, but like. I don't know, like there was one meme that I that I actually posted a couple times, like very, very early on in the platform. And as the platform mm -hmm. got bigger, like the response got bigger. So one meme was like, oh, great. Like another, like, I mean, forgive me for saying this, but like another like crack horrors is pregnant and I can get pregnant or something along those lines. And, uh, and that like really was upsetting to people and I totally understood like I was like I yeah. understand I respect that and I and I took that content down so there, like things like that people are like I don't think that's that, that this is that funny and I'm like okay like yeah. I respect that and then there are some things where people like there will be pushback on and I'm like I don't really care like not that I don't care but I'm just like this is no, for some people and it's not it's not you're not gonna win over everyone you know so right you kind of have to like yeah. you know it's a give and take and I think it's similar with us in um, pushing it that we um, are not making light of, but trying to see the humor and some of the challenges of this time in your life when with pregnancy, with um, trying to birth a baby, and then the chaos potentially of postpartum, like it's not one or the other. It's not like all good or all bad. It's it's a mixture just like everyday life, right? Exactly. There's so many people wearing diapers during this whole process. 
So can you tell us some of the, the most hilarious parts of infertility, which again, <laughs> just something right coming up. <laughs> I mean, I think the funniest parts of infertility mostly have to do with like the, the male, like donation room, like the jerk off rooms. Like I just, sure. I mean, it just, to me, it doesn't get any funnier than the, than the jerk off. Room. It really doesn't. <laughs> so yeah. there's that. And then, um, another thing that I, that I joke about is that like, like the shots, like the, cause there's like stomach shots and there's shots you have to oh, give yeah. in your ass. And like, and I like, I, I was when, before going through infertility, I was like, I was obsessed with the ass shots. Cause I was like, can I, can I reach the right part of my ass? Like, is it, is it <laughs> and then one thing that I say in like my, my up comedy routine is I'm like, you know, my husband, he keeps long hours. What if he's not home in time to stick it in my ass? Which like, yeah, like double connotation. But like, there's things like that that I just think like I feel like really the um the jerk off rooms are so funny. And then like the morning wanding session, like you're getting like probed. It's like seven oh three in the morning, and you're oh my god, you have like a doctor like elbows deep, and you're like oh my god, right. now I have to like it is every day, and now I have to go to work. So like those things right. are the parts that are like you know, not funny, but if you look at it in the funny light, it is funny, you know? Yeah. So. yeah. It's pretty hilarious. By yeah. the time you actually have a kid who doesn't ever let you poop alone, you're like, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Cause that's like the least of your worries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we feel kind of like there's this secret club of people who have dealt with infertility, but once you're pregnant, it's kind of a secret club. Cause it's not like, Oh yeah. I see you across the room. You too, you know, came about this in a little bit more of a challenging way than maybe um, uh, the way a lot of people get pregnant. How do we refer to that as the birds and the bees? Um, and so we're wondering um, just how how people can relate, how people can... Um, how can people find some support during that? Because I imagine, and maybe you can also speak to this, like where is that extra support for women who who are pregnant and are seeking some support. Cause they feel different still, you know, yeah. It, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because like you go to your fertility clinic, right. And if the treatments work, they might, depending on your situation, they might monitor you for, for eight weeks. They might monitor you for 12 weeks. They might not monitor you at all. It just depends on, on right. each individual. And then they, they send you, then like basically you graduate and you go to your regular OBGYN. And I remember sitting in the waiting room, my OBGYN and being like, thinking that exact same thing. Like how many of you guys here went through what I went through to, to be here? Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. none of us are talking about it because now we're all just pregnant, you know? And I remember being like, this is so weird. So for me, I mean, I think that the big support group would be something like hilariously infertile or, or, you know, anything like that, or just to, just to like, just talk about it to be like, you know, this is how I got pregnant, you know? Um, yeah. And also, I don't know about, I don't know about other people, but I feel like I, I've grown like a really, really, really good, like infertile dar, you know what I mean? Like radar, like I can spot <laughs> infertiles, like I'm like, I don't know, like I'll be at like swim class and I'll see this mom and I'll be like, she 100% went through infertility. And I don't even know what it is that like tells me that. But then like little by little through talking, she's like, oh, well, you know, this, we were struggling. And I was like, I knew it, you know, <laughs> and I don't know why, but like, it's, it's getting like my infertility dart is getting pretty strong. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that is so awesome. Yeah. I love that. That's really great. And and how do you see that postpartum as well? Well, for for people with in, with infertility. Yeah. yeah. I think the postpartum part for people with infertility is actually really really tricky. And I think I read an article about this a number of years ago, but um I know that at least at least for me like when I, after I had my first daughter, I mean, the beginning was her the birth was was harder than my second. The beginning of it was just so hard. Like I remember being like this mm-hmm. is so hard and I was in and she was very colicky for like four months and I remember in one of those like delirium nights I I was like I don't love this everyone I meet on the street and everyone's like oh my gosh it's a blessing god bless god bless and I remember being like this is not like not that I didn't love it I loved her it was just so hard that I was like I died yeah, really hard. And then the guilt that I felt after that, because I was like, I, oh, yeah. I cried for this. I did this treatment for this. I did this treatment for this, like mm. months and months and months and months and months. And so like that pressure of like, why am I not loving every mm. single minute of this was, was a lot to handle. And then like, you know, <laughs> I would get a couple, like, a couple, you know, night, good night's sleep. And I'd be like, oh, okay, no, I do like it. It's just, yeah. you, you really are just that delirious. But there were times that I was just like, and, it, and I'm sure it's hard for people when, when after you go through so much to have a, to get pregnant. And then when you have the baby and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so much harder than anyone told me. Like they told me it was gonna be hard, but like, I didn't know. Then it's like, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a big wake up call. Cause you worked so hard to get that child or to get that pregnancy. And that's, um, I, I don't know if you heard me laughing, but the laughter was more of like, yep, you're saying all the things that we've experienced with clients. The things that we hear often is um, feeling this like, wait, can, am I allowed to have a negative emotion? Because I wanted this so bad. And even some people not allowing themselves to feel during pregnancy, like, nope, I should be okay. I should be okay. Even if I'm vomiting every day or, you know, whatever is going on, um, that they don't feel almost like they deserved it in the same way. Yeah. Um, you feel like or that they entitled to those feelings. Those exactly feelings because you worked so hard to get this and you went through infertility and, and you are like, it's okay. You're allowed to have those feelings. Those are legit. Oh yeah. Feelings, you know? Yeah. I think that's, I think it's really sad that somehow our culture puts off this, um, this vibe that feelings are not valid just because you had to work hard to get someplace. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think that's so as a community of, of people having babies and as parents, that should be even more of us standing up and going, uh, uh-uh, all feelings are valid. And, um, you're also, you're not looking just at the situational, but you're also looking at the hormonal. You've got the same hormones as everybody else. And those hormones often make you feel more negative or, um, having the challenge of healing after birth and figuring out this new role and, and transitioning into this new identity as mom, like that's not special to anyone that is across the board experience of whether or not, you know, you adapted, whether or not you, um, had IVF or IUI or a fertility journey, or if you just got pregnant the first time you wanted to, um, I think we want to inclusively say we're all in this club together, you guys. We support you. <laughs> and even potentially yeah. having more time trying for a baby, um, 
I think there's there's more time for dreaming of what it's going to oh, be like being so pregnant. true, and Elise. More time dreaming of what it's like to have a new baby in your arms, or um, you know, just personally, I had more time to think about what it's going to be like to have a toddler and yeah. a kiddo, and and then you're there, and it's not what you think it's going to be, and in some ways that can be a little crushing. Such a good point. That. And so, you know, I wish though I could just take. Well, we can replay it, but, um, you know, I want to kind of take everything that was just said over the last few minutes and replay it for everybody that we talk to who says this, because we hear it time and time again. Yeah. I agree. I think it's such a good point. And you made such a great point that like those hormones and those feelings, like they, they don't, um, they don't disseminate between, or they don't segregate, I should say, between people who went through infertility and people who didn't go through infertility. Like they don't know like, Oh, Karen went through infertility. So we should turn down the hormones on her. Cause like, you know what I mean? It's not like that. So I think that's such a great point because it is, it's very, very valid. And like, you don't necessarily have control over what's those hormones when they're bouncing back out and those emotions, just because you went through infertility doesn't mean that you could you can be, you can't be, you're not allowed to be struggling as a new mom. And I think that that's a really very, very valid point. Something that I actually try to remind folks who have gone through infertility, knowing that, that I'll say now after birth, um, across the board, most people at some point need to have a good cry because it's a big experience to have a baby. And, um, you know, allowing that adrenaline to flow through us, allowing processing of emotions to just happen and allowing whatever emotion happens to happen. And the way that gets worked out sometimes is by talking, but other times it's like more of a physical way, particularly with partners. It's, you know, doing something, um, you know, with your body, going for a run, doing something of that nature, right? But I try to remind folks that um, your road to get here potentially is going to be some grief. Even though you sit with a baby at the end of this, there's the grief of why did this take so long? Or that loss of a child that didn't get to come and live at your home, whether that be by miscarriage or longing for a child for so long. And I think that we don't often in our culture talk about leaving space for two emotions at once. We want to have one thing or another. It's either happy or sad. And if it's sad, we want to push people along quickly to be into the happy realm, particularly when it comes to babies. Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, yeah, I I remember so many like strangers would like come up to me in the supermarket and look at my baby and they're like, Oh my goodness, God bless. Isn't it a miracle? And like, yes, it is a miracle. Like now that I know like what it takes, like what it takes to like actually get a, have a baby and bring it to term and you know, like, yes, it is 100% like a scientific miracle. But at that moment I was like, I'm drowning. Like I am drowning, you know, in, in emotions and in sleep deprivation. Like, I'm alone. My husband works a lot, you know, like he was home for a few weeks, but then it was just me all day, every day, you know? So like, I was like, Oh my God, you know, and it's, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. Would you agree though, too, during those times, it was possibly that people are, are looking at the baby and kind of missing you. Oh yeah, for sure. 100%. 
Yeah. But we're, we're, um, I mean, babies are adorable and maybe it'd be a bit creepy for people to come up to us afterwards and go, Oh, you're so cute. Or I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. But I usually, when I see a newborn baby, try to say something to the parent, like good job. Or, you know, I know these are beautiful and challenging days, aren't they? Where it's, it's a kind of a, I see you versus, um, just seeing the baby and celebrating the newness of life. Cause that kind of, um, it tends to cut off the mom from the experience. Yeah, I, I remember looking at people and saying, thinking to myself, I'm sure that I would agree with you that this is really lovely. And I will get back to you after eventually sleeping. particular that you found helpful after that baby was at home? It sounds like, you know, being graceful to yourself is helpful. Is there anything else that you're finding in the um, hilariously infertile community that um, could be helpful? You know, I think my big thing, and this is just with life in general, but like, I tend to set the bar really low <laughs> for myself. <laughs> like, I know that. I mean, like, I, I do and I don't. Like, I now that, like, I'm, I'm working and I have this, I have this, like, I actually set the bar, like, pretty high. But in terms of other things, like, if you're not, you're, you're not going to shower for a couple of days, big deal. You're not going to get your, your hair is not going right. to look awesome for a few days. No one cares. You're going to be ordering takeout for a month. No one cares. Like, the older, your older, you know, toddler might watch a couple extra Mickey Mouse Clubhouse no one like it's fine you know what I mean like I always say like if you set the bar low like you'll be pleasantly surprised every time and like and (laughs) and I that's like a for me like fail fruit like I'm just like yeah like just just set the bar at something completely realistic and even going through infertility treatments like going through IVF like 
I went through IVF in December, which is like the worst month for me to be going. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because of my schedule and because of all the holiday parties and because I was hosting Christmas that year. Like I don't actually know what I was thinking, but, um, but I was just like, you know, just set the bar low and then get through the day and just be happy with what you did. You know, like, mm-hmm. is your house going to be dust free? Maybe not. Like, is all is the mail going to pile up? Possibly. But like, that's okay. At the end of the day, that's yeah. fine. You know, so I think like that is like setting the bar low, and like giving yourself a little bit extra space to like to just be and not have to get everything done and not have to be perfect, I think is really, really important. That's awesome. And in that December, when you went through fertility treatments and hosted Christmas, did you set the bar low? And how did that work out for you? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so funny. I don't think I did. Are you a real person? Because I love what you're saying. (laughs) I mean, I I I did in some ways. Like, I'm like, I'm not blow-drying my hair. I'm not, like, if I put under eye makeup on and walk out the door, that's a plus for me. You know, like, things like that. Because when I was going through IVF, I live in, in Westchester, which is north north of New York City, and my fertility clinic was in New York City. So I had to Ooh. wake up at, like, what time was I waking up? I was waking up at, like, 4.45, 5 o'clock in the morning to leave the house at, like, 5.45 so I could get down to the city by 6.45. So I'd be the first person in line for blood and ultrasound at seven so I could get back up to Westchester where I teach and be there in time for like the 825 bell. So, oh gosh. And then I still had to like teach all day and then I had a, a toddler just went for my second daughter. So, which was oh, all man. fine, but like it was just really, really hectic. And I tried really hard to, to yes, yeah, set the bar low and, and order in and like, you know, just kind of yeah. hope. But at the same time, like I also tried letting other people around me in my life know like, I'm going through this. There might be some things that, that I, that I, you know, slack on or this or that. We we also, I had 40 parent teacher conferences that December. I know. know. You wore a cape to all of this. (laughs) It was, it was crazy. And so I like at the beginning of the month, I went to my assistant principal and I was like, like the parents or conferences were right in the middle of the month, which was also when like I would get, be getting my eggs out. And I didn't know when I would be getting my, my eggs out when my retrieval surgery was going to be. But I was like, there is a very solid chance. It could be like right in that week when we have all those parents or conferences. I was like, so if that's the case, like, do I have your permission to reschedule? Do I have your permission to do some of them over the phone? And she was like, yeah, I don't care. And like, I was like, Oh, okay. You know, like I was putting so much pressure on myself and I think letting people know, like I let the other teacher that I was working with at the time know, like, listen, there might be some moving around in the schedule and like, I I really can't control it because it just depends on how my ovaries react to the stims that are being injected. Like I have no control over that, you know? So, so I think that, you know, some people are like, do I let them know? Do I not let them know? I obviously am an open book, so I'm obviously letting people know, but I think that that actually was strategic in helping me professionally during that time, because if I hadn't and just called out absent on the day of like when I had 20 parentry conferences on one day, like people have been like, are you kidding me? You know, but because I gave them a heads up and was like, listen, this is possible. And just like giving them all the possible situations, then it was like, it, it worked out. And I actually, my ovaries did not respond that quickly to the stim. So I ended up going on like the day 20 of the cycle, which was better for everyone. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Or I, I don't know if I was, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if I should cheer or say, Oh, bummer. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Cause I mean, it actually ended up working out better, but like my retrieval ended up being like a few days later because at okay. first like, I wasn't responding to the stim, but I was like, Oh, as long as we got to the parent teacher conferences, I'm fine. 
Yeah. Yeah. So how do you keep the humor through all of this? Like, how do you keep the humor through the tears and the ups and downs of all of this? It seems like that's, you're so naturally good at this, that how, I guess, how do you help others see the humor in all of this too? I mean, I, it's really hard. I mean, to say that there weren't days that I didn't bawl my eyes out or, I mean, I remember negative pregnancy tests after negative pregnancy tests. And then, like, mm. I had my first, like, really, like, um, like really medicated cycle with an IUI. And I, mm. and I got a negative pregnancy test. And I was just so devastated. I drank, like, a bottle of wine that night. And then the next day I woke up and found out that, like, Snooki was pregnant. And I was like, oh. you know what I mean? And this was before it was, yeah. like, before it was, like, rebranded Snooki when she was still, like, Jersey Source Snooki. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. rebranded as like the totally capable mom looking. <laughs> but um, and I was like, are you kidding me right now? And it wasn't that I wasn't happy for this random stranger that like I have no malice towards. It was just that right. I was, like, it just felt like everything was going against me. And I totally understand that. Like, there's there's no denying that that's there. But like, there are some funny parts. And and I think that if you kind of try to keep that light humor between you and your partner, um, it it yeah. does help. You know, like, um, I remember my doctor on our first meeting, he said that, you know, for the IUIs that we would, you know, follow my, my, we would give me Clomid and we would follow my ovaries and my blood work and see how everything was, was moving along. And then my husband would come in and give his donation. I remember being like, that's a weird word. And then, Mm -hmm. and then they said, and the lab on site will clean and buff his sperm. And like we were were sitting, he's like the founder of NYU. I'm sitting in his office, like choking back giggles, like a seventh grade boy. Oh my god! Are you kidding me right now? Like, did he just say that your spot, your sperm is getting clean and buffed? Like what? And so, like, even I know. I mean, it was just so funny. And that was our first meeting with him, which like was really traumatizing and like I'm now transitioning to a fertility clinic and I like am still dealing with all these feelings that like I'm I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to have a baby and when he said that I was like wait like what like it was just like it was so funny my husband was laughing I was laughing and afterwards I was like dude your stuff gets to like go to the spa and that's all I'm saying and he was like whatever you know it was just, it was a very funny back and forth. So trying to find the light in that, you know, like I used to say when all my injections would be out on my kitchen counter, I'd be like, oh my God, look, it looks like we're drug addicts. It's like we're in Breaking Bad. And I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> and just like, I just had to, like, I just had to make fun of it because then in three minutes later, I was going to inject myself and it was going to really, really, really hurt. So like, that's how I did it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What advice do you have for those listening um, and wondering how they can also keep the humor through all of this or or any next phase in life? Hmm. Oh, gosh. I mean, I think just don't take yourself so seriously. I mean, there have been so many times, whether it's through parenting or through infertility, that like we just, my husband and I just look at each other and we just start to laugh. And I think part of it is just that him and I, we both have like a very immature, like I said, seventh grade boy sense of humor. Um, <laughs> but I think like just, just you know, finding that giggle or finding that time to like to be silly. Like I feel like a major problem, especially in 
our society is that like once you hit a certain age, you have to act a certain way and you have to be responsible and pay bills and you have to do this and that. And I'm not saying that like we don't do that. We obviously do that. But like we still, <laughs> you know, we still like giggle and we still laugh and like we still like do random things. Like we still like scare each other and like I don't know. It's just like it's we just try to maintain that level of fun. Um hmm. we also we both like well actually that's not true my husband has doesn't have that many memories of like being a kid but like but like I have a lot of memories of being a kid and I remember being like oh remember doing this and then like just like doing something that's absolutely like crazy and he'd be like what did you just do you know and it's like it's like you don't remember doing this or like silly stuff like that that you're like oh like it's scooter day in gym let's get on the scooters and like just allowing yourself to like have like like shy, not childish fun, but having that like that funness yeah. and that silliness in your life is allowed, and it's and it's okay, you know. And you can still, you know, be awesome, and you can still like, you know, run a meeting and open your own business and do all that stuff while you can maintain that funny silliness, you know. And it feel it sounds like you guys have um, figured out a way to see the lighter side of things, but also not dismiss the bigger feelings either. You know, you haven't chosen one or the other. You're still you're going to still make yourself go to those places of, you know, weeping over the pregnancy test that wasn't positive, but then also, you know, seeing the lighter side. And I think that's often what people are missing um, in this time in their lives of, of sitting with both. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. 100%. And I mean, and there were times that I was like, so, 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 so sad. And then my husband yeah. would say something like, I remember one time he was like, you know, if it doesn't work this month, I think maybe we should start looking into like you eating organically. And this was like oh. seven years ago when like, it wasn't so like eating organically wasn't as prevalent as it is today. And I looked at him and I was right. like, I'm infertile. Like eating organically isn't going to change that. You know what I mean? Like, could it, will it right. help? Like now I've learned that, yes, like what you put into your body is, could be inflammatory, could be this, and it could be helping you. And like, I didn't know any of that back then, but like, would it help? Yes. But like, do I still need like medicated cycles in my doctor? 100%. Like me eating organic right. kale, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is not going to get me pregnant, <laughs> you know? And so right. like, looking, like, I remember being like, what? And then like afterwards, like a day later, I was like, remember when you said that? He's like, yeah, I don't really know what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, like, we, like even in those moments where I'm like, even like the dumb stuff that's said back and forth, I'm like, okay, we can still laugh about this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So great. I was actually going to just ask you about your relationship and how it survived this, but it's so clear that you guys seem so strong and connected. And I think that's so often a challenge for couples going through mm-hmm. really anything that's, that's hard, especially just having a baby together and raising a baby together. Yeah. But it can be you know, a real strain on a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know what? I was just talking with, with another platform um, about like intimacy after infertility or intimacy after giving birth after infertility. And, and one thing that I think was important for us and that we figured out early on was that like being intimate was never going to lead to our baby. And so like for us, it took the pressure off, you know, like we can right. just be intimate with each other and, and just enjoy that and not have to worry about, you know, is this the month or do, cause like there were so many months where I was like, okay, legs up, hips up, blah, 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 you know? And like, once we realized that like, that's not going to be the way that we get pregnant, it completely took off like the almost like 
I don't know what the what the word is, like the the job jobness of it, you know? Yeah. And it made it more like, okay, well now we can just enjoy each other intimately and like be totally fine with that. Um and I think that's very important. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's huge because doing this together means doing this together and not um I, it's hard to keep your eye on the long-term goal, but also you want this person to walk through life with you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and for us with our, with our, um, in my insurance being a, a teacher in New York state, it was, you know, most of the things were covered, but I feel like we had, we were in a very positive situation where we didn't have to worry about the finances because our insurance was so great. But I feel like another factor that's put on people going through infertility and that causes strife between them and their partner is is the financial aspects of it. Like it's not just the hormones. It's not just the being drugged up. It's not just the cycles and the injections and the feeling of being broken and the feeling that you're like a pin cushion or a science experiment. It's also what is happening to our bank account. And like all this stuff that we were saving for is now gone or okay, so we could either go through infertility or get a new hot water heater. Like those are decisions that like people should not have to make those decisions. And yet in our country they do. And it's just, I think that that adds another whole level that we didn't have to deal with luckily because we have great insurance. And I think that that's another great thing about, you know, a lot of the legislation and advocacy that's going on with infertility, you know, in 2019, 2020 is trying to get um, states to mandate infertility coverage um, hmm. with their insurances. And I think it's just, it's so important that, that that's covered because it should never be a factor of money. Like when you yeah. run out of money because you can't go through infertility anymore, that shouldn't mean that then you can't have a child and that you're right. not childless, you know, like if you don't want that, like, it's just, it shouldn't like, to me, it's just like so mind boggling that like that should be a factor, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So what is next for, hilariously infertile and for Karen <laughs> um right now bed no <laughs> um, in, in life I don't know I mean it's it's getting to the point now where the platform is getting so big and um I I really don't know what's next and that is something that that does that I not I don't want to say I stay up at night but like, I do think about it a lot because you know I mm-hmm. teach fourth grade dual language Spanish and English and that is my passion. Like I, and that's my priority. I mean, I love being a teacher. I feel both my parents are teachers. Like I were teachers. I feel like it's not like that. It's just my job. Like it's who I am, you know? So if like uh, recently I've been debating taking, maybe taking some time off teaching so I could really pursue hilariously infertile and see where it takes me, even if it was just like a year sabbatical or something. Um, but I don't know, like that's, change for me is scary. I'd rather just like have to like, do it all in one day than, <laughs> than sacrifice one or the other. Um, but we'll, but we'll see. I've, I've thought about, you know, I have my book and I have the platform and I have um, these comedy nights that I've been doing. I'm trying to go to different cities throughout the country um, and getting people out and getting people to come out. Like, you know, in Boston, there's going to be a theater of like 400 people. Hopefully it's close to that build. And And I want people to get out and not just talk about infertility, but laugh about it and realize that in that room, that like you are not alone. Like Hmm. everyone in this room has been in that situation. That's fantastic. That's really huge to me too. Can you give us the info on where our listeners can find information on that in Boston and um, come to you? 
Yes, definitely. So anything you need, is for, it would probably be either, well, right now, actually, I need to upload it to my website, but my Instagram, which is at hilariously underscore infertile. My website is www.hilariouslyinfertile.com. And the event itself is Sunday, November 10th at 7 p.m. at the Regent Theater in Arlington, Massachusetts. And the proceeds, the ticket proceeds are going to two separate charities that I'm very close with. One is BabyQuest Charity or BabyQuest Foundation, which provides financial grants to people who are going through infertility in the United States. And the other is Resolve New England. Um, which is a lot of advocacy work for the infertility community in New England. And I think that awesome. it's so important. Like my yeah. first comedy night was just a baby quest. And then when I went over to Boston um, and I partnered with Resolve, also Resolve New England, um, I, I thought maybe this could be something that I do. Like every comedy night that I do in a different, if I were to continue it to do it in a different city, I would be, you know, benefiting a local infertility organization, which I think is, is important also, you know, so, um, so yeah, so tickets are still on sale and, and I just want people to come out and just, it's a long weekend. It's Veterans Day on that Monday. So maybe you don't have to go to work and just, you know, come out and laugh and let your guard down and realize that like, it's okay. You're not alone. And anything that's going through your head is like you're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like everyone's yeah. love it. Well, yeah. you've got friends in Seattle if you ever want to take it on over to Seattle too. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, tell us about your book too. We'd love to hear more about it, and I'm sure our listeners would love to check it out. So yeah, so my book is um, it's called Hilariously Infertile: One Woman's Inappropriate Quest to Help Women Laugh Through Infertility. <laughs> and it basically is just that. It's just my story, taking it from like when we started trying, just trying on our own, all the way to the birth of my second daughter, who was actually born in the sack. Oh, cool. Which I, wow. Yeah, yeah. Which apparently is rare, but like I didn't know that. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Super rare. Um, so it so it brings you through that whole journey and and it's inappropriate and it says the things that like no one would ever want to be said about them or about their body parts or anything and I just say it because I'm like this is how women really talk like I always say to and I said this to my fertility doctor actually I was and he was like something something like well, you know, women talk more about that. And I was like, well, I always maintain, and I don't want to use the word raunchy because it's not raunchy. You right. know what I mean? But like, I always maintain that like women go deeper into those like really personal details than mm -hmm. men. Like I can sit at a restaurant table with my girlfriend and talk about discharge till we're blue in the face. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, you would never hear men talking about semen consistency at a bar. Like never. never. Right, right. <laughs> Even, even in their privacy of their own home, like that just wouldn't happen. And I think that 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 this book is really the way that that women talk to each other, and it's all those feelings, and it's the ups and the downs, and the and the tears, and the jokes, and the oh my goodness, does this seriously just happen? And the overwhelmingness of like, okay, I'm crying on the side of the road in New York City, and now I have to go because I taught first grade at the time. Like now I have to go teach first grade. Like I I don't even know what to do, you know? And like right. It's all of that. It's just very, very real. And I hope what people take from it and the feedback that I've received is that um, it's really, it's helped people in terms of like understanding the emotional process of infertility. It's also helped people like laugh, you know, and be like, oh my gosh, I had the same thought or oh my gosh, yeah, that happened to me. And I've also had people um, give it to their family members. Like I've had a lot of 
women say that they gave it to their mom or they gave it to their mother-in-law or they gave it to their grandmother, which I was like, oh gosh, grandma. But, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's true. And they're like, but it helped them. Like it helped those family members be like, oh, now I know what you're going through. Like now I understand. And I think that that is, is a great resource for it too. Like not mm-hmm. just like, oh, listen to this snarky and appropriate girl talk about her vagina, but like, but like, oh, like now I understand what my daughter's going through better because I'm reading this woman who has no filter whatsoever. That is so awesome. That's what a great. great book. Yeah. Well, Karen, we think you are hilarious and we are so glad that you came on our show today and shared so much great stuff with us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. (laughs) Bye. Don't hang up, Karen. Awesome. Thank you so much. You were great. Thank you. Um, I wanted to say my sister, it's just a random connection, but my sister went to Puget Sound, like University of Puget Sound for college. Oh, very oh, cool. cool. That's yeah, great. I was out there a, a lot growing up. So I love Seattle. It's absolutely gorgeous. When it's gorgeous, it's gorgeous. Oh, yes. And when it's not, it's just gray and rainy. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, you'll have to, like, come out and talk and um, – Yes, um, we have a lot of clients who have gone through IVF. I would say probably, I don't know, what, 60% of our clients that we work with as doulas. That's probably pretty common. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I think our our listeners are all over the world, but just as doulas, I, our clients will really personally relate, but um, all of my yeah. friends that I hear stories from, it's so funny. I had so many great stories that I was thinking of as you're sharing yours. I have a friend who her husband had to do a deposit and then drove all the way home and they messed it up. And they were like, you're going to need to come back right away. And he was like, seriously, I cannot come back right away. Are you serious? How am I going to do this (laughs) right away? They're like, it it just got messed up. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's awful. Yeah. I'm like, there's so many. So do you mind if I ask how many, how many babies have you guys delivered? Is that a, is that a weird question? No, 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 no. 700 together. 700 together? Yeah. I mean, yeah. When we add up our numbers together, we don't go to them together. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of babies. A lot. We we see a lot of babies. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of nuts. So (laughs) yeah. That's really, really nuts. It is. Cool. Well, we will, um, I don't remember when we're post putting this podcast on, but we will have Ty or one of us will reach out and tell you kind of when to expect to see it on our podcast. And, um, yeah. I'm sure she's worked out the details with like when everyone's sharing it and how that's all going. We're so lucky that she does all the behind stuff behind the yeah. scenes stuff. Right? Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. I think, I think I have it posted in my calendar for, for sometime, I think next week okay. um, cool. that it's going to be posted, but whatever, whatever it is, I'll definitely also post it oh. and, um, and, you know, add it to, to all my stuff. So, Great. you know, I'd be happy to, to promote it in any way. And I think what you guys are doing is, is amazing um, on the pod- podcast and in your regular lives. Like it's just Thank so, you know. it's, it's 
inspiring. Yeah, oh, yeah. thanks a lot. We we feel the same about you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> She's got a fourth grader. She's even more like, oh man, you're oh, yeah. a teacher I've to got fourth, a fourth graders. grader. Uh. <laughs> Don't you love that age? I love like I love that age. I think I fourth it. and fifth grade it, as a <sighs> if I was a teacher, I would love fourth and fifth grade because they're starting to like kind of they're getting it. Like you can really form kind of the, I don't know. I, I was so inspired by my fourth and fifth grade teachers. Yeah. Fourth I grade really was. Hard. Our homework is intense this year. Whoa. Oh yeah. It's, it's huge. There's a huge jump, jump between third and fourth grade. Yeah. But I mean, I taught first grade, I've taught second grade, third grade and fourth grade. And while I love the lower grades because you see so much growth, like you have a kid coming in who's like, I see cat and they leave reading like, full-blown paragraphs or like early chapter books but in fourth grade what I love about it is that you know they're independent they um they like they understand that like good things have have um benefits and right. they don't that there's consequences like they understand that balance but they also like they get your jokes which I'm like finally yeah <laughs> um and and they also like they're not in that like attitude or disrespect yet that they're like talking behind your back or rolling your eyes or snickering like they're still good you yeah. know yeah and I just I I love it I think it's such it's such a great great grade so yeah. yeah yeah they are really excited about learning I'm just blown away by the um I guess the the level of learning that they're at they're the big thing for us this year is that the teacher does a lot of lecturing and they take notes and then they're tested on it at the end of the week. And I'm like, seriously, really? <laughs> Whoa. Ooh, yeah. We're going there, huh? I wasn't prepared for that. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mine's a little bit different because all of my students are English language learners. So mm -hmm. they're, they're all their, their native language is Spanish. So like oh. I'm teaching half the time in Spanish and half the time in English wow. to try to like get them to kind of transition over to English eventually while still maintaining their, their cognitive development in their native language and also oh, yeah. to make them so they're really not just bilingual, but biliterate, which is, there's a huge difference. Like I want my, my students to be able to go into the workforce, like when they're in high school or in college and be like, I can read and write on a high level in two languages. Like, I think that's yeah. so important. Mm. Not just like, I can speak to whoever in Spanish. Like that's like, I feel like maybe that used to be good enough, but now I'm like, that's not good enough. Like yeah. you need to be able to know you know? Yeah. So awesome. for me, it's an uphill, it's an uphill battle because a lot of my students, like their parents are illiterate in their native language or they went up to third grade in their native language. So like it's there, a lot of them are first generation, just like fourth graders, not even first generation. Like, you know, you always hear like first generation college students. Like these are like first generation fourth graders, like no one in their school and their family has gone even that far. So like, oh, wow. it's also like, challenging you know to be like to call the parents and be like no you have to sign this and that or you have to read this and I'm like right but like like I couldn't read this I'm like okay so like it's just you know telling them what's going on and communicating with them in a way that's respectful and not degrading but at the same time like giving them the, what they need to know to help their students so it's it's like it's it's challenging but I love it I think it's I think it's just so great and I wouldn't want to work with any other population like I wouldn't want to work in like a very affluent area because that would probably drive me crazy yeah, yeah, it's um, it it does a little drive me crazy that we we don't live in the area that they go to school in. Um, <laughs> we're at that school because my fourth grader is special needs, but um, 
they're all at the private school and I'm like, oh, these people drive me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but we, uh, yeah. we force them to see the rest of the world in other ways. But uh, <laughs> we, I get that. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't live in that neighborhood. So <laughs> yeah. I know it's so funny. The, the town where I work, it's, there's like the North and the South and it sounds so like cliche but that's how it is and the north is like super 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 wealthy in the south is like multi-family homes low socioeconomic like like I would say 80% of the schools on you know free or reduced lunch you know so um so it's just like it's just so staggering and I'm like I like yes like it's it's such a challenge to be teaching at these schools because like they're they can't read at home or they're not reading at home because of all the other circumstances that are going on in their home environment yeah. that are negatively impacting them. Yeah. But like I would take this over the kids who are like reading Harry Potter in second grade and have like seventy five million hobbies and like the parents are little dogs. I'm like I don't want that either. Like I'd rather I'm making more of a difference with these kids. Yeah, yeah you know? that totally makes sense. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I mean that's and I'm so glad people like you are doing that type of job that's you're making the world a much better place teachers are changing the world it's true oh thank you yeah, yeah. it's very true it's even though like, i don't think i'm famous which is totally fine <laughs> <laughs> oh my god we were joking the other day because we had to do like a vocab word and there was something about like who like someone that i think the word was like respect or admire was it and it had to be like someone who's famous like in you know in the world that you admire so a lot yeah. of them they're going to do like Ronaldo or Messi, like the, you know, soccer players. And I was like, you could do your teacher because I'm super famous. And I was like, obviously joking. And they were like, no, you're not. And I was like, I'm so famous. And they're like, it was just really funny. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not famous at all. But like, I'm not just a teacher and you guys don't know it. Yeah. So it was really products being marketed to us, it's easy to overthink our options. With Becco Baby Carriers, you don't have to worry because they've designed a product tailored to your busy lifestyle. Becco makes award-winning baby carriers that are simple, functional, and stylish for every modern parent. 
Shop now at BeccoBaby.com.